0: Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today and always is Jacob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started.
1: Hello and welcome to the B2B Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Loewenbrand. I'm Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today we have a very interesting and special guest with us, Richard Goring, who's Director of Bright Carbon, a specialist presentation e-learning agency. And of course, we will discuss the topic, how to create compelling presentations. And Richard has helped to write and create thousands of presentations, so we have a really... In-depth expert on this, but not only that, he has also coached a lot of teams to present more effectively. Have talked on numerous of conferences on these kind of topics, and I'm really glad to have you with us here today on the topic uh, on the podcast here, Richard. So thank you and uh, welcome to this podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so um, I'm so excited to dive in into all these kind of things. I know you're expert in. But before we do that, maybe you can give us a little bit of background on your journey as a marketeer, or you have uh, done before you started and uh, working with uh, Bright Carbon, very similar to Bright Vision, <laughs> uh, which is a great name for companies, I think. Um, so uh, yeah, and give us a bit of background to Bright Carbon as an agency as
0: well. Sure. So we. Uh are a group of people that really love to create visual presentations for people. That's what it's all about. So it's using the tools that you have at your disposal, things like PowerPoint, but also Google Slides or into the world of interactive e-learning content, things like Storyline or Adobe Captivate, and just saying, well, everyone uses these tools. What can you do differently with them? Let's, let's make them more effective. And so we use visual sequences and diagrams and also animations that really help to explain and reinforce the key ideas that you Uh, want to get across. And the reason for doing that is that it's so much more engaging for people. It's much more compelling to watch a you know video like ish sequence because you know YouTube's Netflix are the the biggest websites around compared to the wall of text, the death by PowerPoint that you normally experience. So we really enjoy helping people to do that, whether it's kind of formally we do it as a service or through the training sessions that we run or the webinars and whatnot that we um, go out and promote. Just helping people to, to get more from the tools that they have. So yeah, that Bright Carbon is a you know, small agency, there's only 60 of us and there's a kind of a split between half of the team are visual storytelling consultants and the other half of the team are graphic designers and we have a lot of fun helping people get away from terrible presentations and doing something much better.
1: Uh, sounds great.
0: And how did an Englishman like you end up in Boston? <laughs> Because I, I do a lot of training and I do a lot of speaking at conferences. A lot of that is in the U.S. And rather than flying back and forth from the U.K. to the U.S. a lot, I thought it's much easier to move here and the people are lovely. So it's a very good opportunity to move.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Been to Boston at the Inbound Conference. It's a lovely city. Hmm. So a good place to live. <laughs> good pick. So interesting to hear about this. But uh, as uh yeah. As we're in the work from home era of uh, Corona, a lot of companies are thrown into this uh, presentation over Zoom and Teams uh, kind of mode, which uh, have uh, you know you can't really use your body language to the same extent, and so on. So I think visuals have become even more important to use for different kind of meetings or presentations, and so on. So um, webinars, for example as we have seen it from our clients have become really really big and if our clients haven't used it before it's definitely one of their tools in their marketing arsenal today so if we start with webinar and webinar presentations what is your general feedback on how to create a good webinar presentation if you're going to have a marketing webinar
0: Sure. So, I mean, when it comes to that, the whole working from home and, and kind of remote uh, presenting and webinars, you, you think, oh, no, the, you know, the world has changed. I can't go and, and speak to people anymore and, and see them. And, and you're right, you can't. But if you think about all of the changes, I mean, what has changed really? You've already, you've already got the technology. So you're using a, a Zoom or a Teams or a WebEx or something like that. Those are used commonly. You just have to use them more now. Uh, you've already got kind of presentation material that you're going to be sharing with him. You have a story that you've got there. The key difference really is that your audience isn't in the room with you, as you talk about now. So we are, what, 6,000 miles apart or so. Um, 5,000, 4,000 apart. anyway, it doesn't really matter. We're a long way apart and we can still have this kind of conversation. And it's just now getting more and more used to that and how you can interact with your audience and engage your audience when you are not, as you said, kind of physically in the room with them and that creates a big difference. And so that's why you can't just take your existing kind of presentation or your existing idea for an event or a piece of content and just immediately put it online if it was originally designed for something where you're going to be able to interact with people in person. Because you you can't see the interactions that you're having with people. What's more, you can't control people as much. So you know, if you're in the room with someone, they are very unlikely to get up and leave or look at their phone and get distracted. Whereas online, you can't see them, they can't probably see you. And so now the slides that you are presenting are probably the major way that you're going to be kind of capturing their attention and you want to to make those slides compete with the likes of email notifications or Facebook or YouTube or any of other things that they might want to do and so that's why we think that it's so critically important now to have slides that not only look professional the kind of things that you would expect for your you know your websites and brochures and white papers and reports and whatnot but your presentation slides too looking professional reflecting the brand Uh, but also to be engaging and compelling. And visuals are a great way of doing that because no one is going to look at a wall of text on a webinar, particularly if you leave that slide up for, I don't know, three, four, five minutes or so. It's just, it's terrible. So the idea of visuals is so important there. And then you think, well, it's not just about a pretty picture in the backdrop because that's interesting for 10 or 20 seconds, but then again, you get bored because the presenter's talking. So it's using the visuals in a meaningful way that help you to get your point across, and so that's now thinking about the way that you might um, introduce key elements of it. So a diagram, for example, that helps explain I don't know a customer's journey through your process and kind of why they should care about it. Well, there's two different aspects to that. You need to think about the story, which I'm assuming you've got, but just as a recap, make sure that it is. Uh, persuasive to your audience that it's full of benefits. Talking about the advantages that you have over your uh, competitors, for example, or other um, solutions. There, thinking about why they should care. You know, the what's in it for me, or so what kind of questions. So thinking about the story is critical. And then once you have that story, thinking about well, what is the visual to go with it? So if we go back to this idea of a diagram, a process flow, you might have a really complicated diagram to to tell your story, which is fine up until the point where you try to put all of that diagram up on the screen at once. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes really complicated for people to, to look through. It's, it's too much. It's too nebulous. It's, it's overwhelming. And so now you start to think about more sophisticated techniques. Simple, but you know more sophisticated. Things like basic animation. So just a simple fade animation that will introduce each point in turn. So you're chunking the content up and you're pacing the flow of information all of that is really vital to kind of bring all of this content out. And then if you combine all of those bits together, you think about, well, I've got the compelling story, the persuasive story there, I've got the engaging visuals and you've got the animation to pace the flow of information. That's really good. But to be honest, that's, that's kind of what you should be doing for any presentation, whether it's in person or whether it's online. And so where it really becomes different with a webinar environment is thinking about scale and thinking about interaction. And so you need to consider, like, on a webinar platform, on a, a Zoom platform, for example, on, a, on an online meeting, you're probably going to be looking at this now on your laptop screen. So it's much smaller than a you know, conference room where there's going to be a large projector screen. And not only that, it's going to be smaller. The slides are going to be smaller than the laptop screen because you've got all the other stuff around it. So, you know, the meeting chat and the header bar for Zoom or Teams or whatever, the, status bar Mm -hmm. at the bottom. And so you're now talking about using up maybe half, maybe two thirds of the screen real estate of your audience's laptop screen. So it's a tiny screen that they are really looking at. So the idea of having densely packed slide content just isn't going to fly anymore. Mm -hmm. So making it reasonably big, making it very kind of visual. Mm -hmm. Imagine you're designing for a you know mid-sized tablet, for example, that's probably the best way to do it. And so visuals also help you there, because it's very difficult to get a visual to be really compact. You're not really using a lot of text, you're using a kind of more diagrammatic or image-based elements to, to bring that to life. And then you also think about the other factor here of the engagement with the audience. You can't have just a, a monologue for 20 minutes, as you might try to get away with in a regular presentation. You need to think about different ways that you can uh, kind of interact with them. So we often recommend that you chunk your content down. So ideally, and it's very much a guideline, it's not a rule, but ideally think about chunking content up into five to eight minute slots, something like that. Because that allows you to talk about a topic in a reasonable amount of detail but then be able to either change topic if you need to do that, to you know change it up a bit so that it's engaging people, or do things like ask a question, or do a poll if it's a larger group of people, or some other kind of direct interaction, where instead of sitting there passively, your audience is now actively engaged with the content in some way. And so I would hope that those kinds of ideas, the idea of using the, the storytelling, and the visual sequences, and animations to pace the flow of information, designing for a you know, smaller screen, And then also thinking about those active engagement points would really help to improve the quality and the effectiveness of webinars.
1: That's interesting. And yeah, great tips and ideas there to pick up uh, planning a webinar. One question, very tactical, so (laughs) that have come up uh, that we discussed ourselves here is should you... I mean, the problem is, as you said, uh, the attention span. You have to compete with the notifications, the things that beep in your phone, and so on. You don't, you can't contain them in the room, so to say. <laughs> uh, so, so should you go for many slides with a high pace, or should you try to interact more? Or what's your what's your take on that? Should you? What's the pace you should have in order to move on to the next visual, so to say?
0: So I think when it comes to the idea of the number of slides, it's perhaps misleading. You know, you you do a lot of things and people say, I don't want more than 20 slides or 30 slides or something, which is fine. But how long does a slide last? You know, you can have a single slide with a single message on it and it lasts, I don't know, five, ten seconds, potentially 30 or so. Or you can have a slide with loads of animations, with content layered up on top of each other. I have personally although I wouldn't recommend it, but I've created a slide with over 3,000 animations on it. You know, it, it's a really complex sequence, but you can do that if you want to, just using standard PowerPoint. And so you could, if you were really desperate, make an entire slide, or sorry, a single slide, last for an entire 20 or 30 minute presentation. And it's always changing all the time. So I don't want to get too hung up on details or specifics like that, but just thinking about what is the amount of content you need to get across to tell your story is probably Mm. the best way of doing it and again because you're not there in person with people you have like a maybe less of a tolerance for unnecessary content so Mm. as a general rule it's a good idea anyway but even more specifically in an online environment what is the least amount of content you can get away with to be able to get your story across and perhaps and again this is a nice way for engagement you have a core story that might be, I don't know, five, 10, 15 minutes or so, broken down into a couple of topics, and then ask questions. And even using PowerPoint, you can just have a, a nice slideshow coming up there, and you can say, well, here's all of my content, maybe with a menu structure there's the core, are there any things that you would like to now know about or any questions that you have? And you can jump into supplementary slides using hyperlink functions or in PowerPoint, there's a new thing called Zoom, which is a nice way to be able to zoom into slides and just navigate through a presentation in an interactive way. And so I think that kind of thing works really nicely, just again, as general best practice, but it also allows that active engagement for people to be able to say, well, I'd like to know about this or that, and they, they have to think about the content. To answer your question then more specifically, rather than the vague, um, I would say that online, because your slides are likely going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting uh, for a lot of the content, you probably want things to change quite frequently. Now that could be one new slide, or it could be one new animation, but something changing on the screen to keep people interested. And it varies again, but on average, we recommend even as quick as every 10 seconds, up to every 30 seconds or so, something should change. So really quite rapid, quite Mm. frequently. But again, we're not talking about an entire slide's worth of content to get through in 10 seconds. We're talking about a single build. So a new thing appearing as part of a larger diagram, for instance, Mm. or a, um, a small little transition bit that you might use for 10 seconds and then move on to the next piece. But try to think about having things moving relatively frequently changing relatively frequently so that there's always a reason for your audience to look back at what's going on on the slide
1: sounds sounds very reasonable
0: and uh, that's that's fantastic 3,000 animations in one again I, yeah I wouldn't recommend it. it we just play around with these things and you can see it's a, it's a PowerPoint Christmas card so if anyone is interested you can go and see it. you can go to the bright carbon website search Christmas cards and uh, every year we come up with a whole world of Christmas cards <laughs> As you do and you can download all of them and send them to your friends which is exactly what you want to do in the middle of the summer but you know there you are
1: I will definitely check it out afterwards and we'll link to it in, in the show notes here so yes. uh, great great inspiration there and um, talking about animations and PowerPoint do you think PowerPoint is a good presentation tool or what's your feedback on that
0: I do. I think it's probably the most powerful presentation tool out there. It allows you to do a huge amount. Now, there are kind of newer kids on the block. So, you know, that Prezi is probably the, the key example. Everyone looks to Prezi to say, oh, it's so different from PowerPoint. It's so much better. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think the problem with PowerPoint is that it doesn't always uh, show you um, how to do things as intuitively as you might want. So Keynote on, on the Apple platform is a really good example of this. Very good, very powerful presentation tool again, but just so much easier to access, because with PowerPoint you have to dig into it a little bit. And they are improving, so if you're in Office 365, there is a lot of help there to improve what you're doing. But PowerPoint allows you to do a huge amount of stuff, really quite easily, once you know how to do it uh, and it's got um, an awful lot of capabilities and, and features to be able to bring in unlike something like the prezi which is just cloud-based and, and perhaps a little bit more difficult to share um, powerpoint i think is much more ubiquitous uh, and works very well in, in a lot of environments so i would go with powerpoint generally speaking i think that's superb and again talking about this idea of office 365 which is the the newer subscription model which i think most corporations are now on anyway you've got some fantastic tools, so things like the morph transition, which is a brilliant way of being able to take content from one slide and then automatically change it on the second slide so it can move or it can grow or shrink or change color or go off the slide completely if you don't want it. So there's some fantastic effects that you can create very quickly and very easily just using this simple uh, kind of automated transition called Morph, and and, and it's a podcast, so I can't really show you very much about it, but again, if you go to the Bright Carbon website, we've got all sorts of tutorials on how to use this tool to create the kind of dynamic visual presentations that you want. As an aside, if I may, because we're talking about the world of online, there's always the caveat with animations of you need to make sure that your audience can view them. So, whilst I am a big fan of animated content, there are two forms of animation that it's worth noting. One is simply introducing new content, a simple fade animation to pace the flow of information or to highlight key elements as well. So, you know. Um, focusing in on something that's important in a complex diagram or chart or sequence or bringing out a punchline or showing a trend line or pacing the flow of information for a complex bit coming up piece by piece that is vital and i think you should use it in all types of presentations and it can be achieved using the animation effect in powerpoint or it can be achieved using slide transitions and you just split your content up over you know 5 10 15 slides whatever it is and it's very easy to do mm-hmm. and that's great because it will work regardless of how you're presenting it even on the slowest bandwidth connection you know if you're doing that every 10 to 30 mm-hmm. seconds or so the system has time to catch up and it's not a problem when you start to get into the more nuanced more advanced and sophisticated animations where you've got things like movement or growth or shrinkage or changing color that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. relies on the connection speed being quite good Mm-hmm. And you don't want a, a stuttery, jerky kind of thing going on if people have you know, poor quality connections. So just bear that in mind. Mm-hmm. And I think, actually, if you look at it, you are likely to be presenting to people that have pretty good internet connections. Even at home, mm-hmm. you know, home broadband speeds are generally good enough to accept those kinds of animations. A lot of the platforms, you look at Zoom, Teams, GoToWebinar, and Adobe Connect all of them uh, say somewhere between one and a half and two and a half megabit per second download speed is required which on on most residential broadband connections is i mean it's really fine unless you're in the middle of the countryside somewhere that's generally going to be perfectly okay Mm -hmm. but you as the presenter are uploading your content and so it's not only people's ability to view it, you need to be able to share it as well, and you also need a one and a half to two and a half megabit speed connection. Mm. And now it's not the download speed that matters, it's the upload speed that matters, and that can sometimes be problematic. So if you are gonna be doing webinar and type stuff, you're gonna be doing online meetings, it's really important for you as the presenter to check your internet connection speed. Do you have the bandwidth to be able to upload any kind of animated content, where it's these kind of sophisticated animations. So do a speed test from the computer you're gonna use in the room where you're gonna be, because it might be a long distance from your router, for example, and see what that connection speed is. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there are things that you can do to to free up bandwidth on your computer, like you know closing down your your browser tabs, for instance, turning off the webcam, the webcam that you've got on is going to be the biggest consumer of bandwidth, so turning that off is a good idea, and then you might want to consider, well, maybe I just use the simpler forms of animation to build in content. But, but again, I suspect most of the time if you get rid of any unnecessary processes though, you know, connecting to, to your VPN or to SharePoint or OneDrive or any of these kind of you know, drop these kind of cloud platforms, pause those for a bit, you should be generally fine.
1: Oh, that's great. That's something that's so easy to forget about. So, yeah, yeah great <laughs> point you got there. I also know that you have a lot of uh, ideas around creating strong, sales presentation and proposal uh, presentations, which is a big part for most B2B companies Mm -hmm. where we try to win business of different kinds. And you support a lot of companies in in preparing those important pitch presentations and so on. Uh, Can you share some tips and tricks uh, and uh, ideas you have around what to think about if you want to have one of those presentations that's really important where you nail it and, and get through all the important parts of the message. What should you be thinking about and what's important?
0: Sure. To, to be honest, similar kinds of rules apply. It's just now you've got to think about things a little bit more specifically. So often in a, in a pitch environment, you would generally say that you know, the, the marketeer's job might be done by that point. You, you've kind of brought them in. And so now you're thinking about that kind of, kind of best and final pitch, the, the final thing that's now very specific to them. And in that case, you need to think very specifically about the sales messaging. It's no longer those kind of broad brush uh, kind of benefit statements that you might have on the, the website or your kind of inbound material, for instance. It's now, this is specifically what we can do for you. And so again, a bit like the online meetings, the, the message that you come across or the message that you deliver is critical to this. And so it's thinking about what are the key reasons why someone should choose this solution as opposed to anything else, and you never forget the, the competitors in that. And we often like to structure those pitch presentations around a, a value proposition. So key messages, you know, three, four, five or so, key ideas that are gonna uh, differentiate you from any of the other competing solutions out there. And the more you can find out about those competing solutions, the better. You then also think, also think about the structural elements of it, and the idea of the uh, the challenger sale, if you've come across that, so um, Adam, uh, Adamson and Dixon, I think, were the authors of that it's a big red bold book. It's really good. So the Challenger Sales is a superb read that I'd recommend for thinking about the way that you can structure a persuasive sales conversation and particularly for a pitch environment. So thinking about the story, the structure works really well. And then again, you come onto the, the slide content, you know, how do you present that? The idea of having your salesperson put it together the night before, just kind of pulling a load of clip art and stuff in just isn't going to cut it. So thinking about, well, what can you do that's effective? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time you think, well, yeah, I want this pitch to be very specific to the audience, and you absolutely do, but your slides don't always need to be. And often when we're supporting people with pictures, we can say, well, you know, probably 60, 70, maybe 80% of this content could be relatively generic, but you say something different over the top of it, and that is a huge advantage of a visual slide. There's not necessarily a lot of detailed content on the slide, or at least it can be interpreted in different ways with different narrative over the top, so you can present it differently. And that means that you can probably prepare a lot of your content well ahead of time, so you can come up with uh, the professional graphics, you can think about the best visual, you can spend some time on the animations, and then it's only that final 20 or 30 percent that you may need to customize to that specific prospect, but that saves you a huge amount of time and effort and means that the whole thing can be much nicer. And then you have to think about the rules a little bit. So often with pitches, there'll be a specific agenda that you have to follow or a specific format, which you probably better have to do. But again, think about ways that you can interact with people. So ask questions often, you know, what do you think of this? What about that? Try to get their their feedback or buy-in so that maybe you can go to other topics that you might not have considered. Uh, and so again, that idea of an interactive presentation can work very nicely, because you can have a core set of messages and then branching options, uh, a choose your own adventure type setup in a in a pitch presentation, where you can say, well, here's the, the core of it, but which of these options do you think might work best? You may have already done that research and you may know, but even just asking the question, it's that way of kind of actively engaging people, or just getting people to, uh, to give you their thought process. And then if all else fails, And someone asks a question. Uh, Hey, Wajek, what do you think the single most powerful function in PowerPoint is? There's a question for you. Um, I think it's uh, the most PowerPoint. um, (laughs) We've talked about the idea of visuals. We've talked about the idea of animations. We've talked about the idea of of monkey transitions. We've talked about the idea of kind of key messages that you can embed in slides. What would you say is the most powerful feature in PowerPoint?
1: I suppose it's some kind of uh, transitioning uh, functionality where you can
0: get it to... and It could be, yeah, yeah. So, so that morph transition that I mentioned is really good. It's very powerful. It's superb if you want to create content, but it's probably only second. Yeah. Think, sorry to put you on the spot there, but I think the single most powerful feature in PowerPoint is when you're in show mode, you press the B key. and Do you know what that does? It turns the screen black. Essentially, it shuts the thing off. So uh, the, the I think probably the biggest mistake that people make in, in webinars or in pictures or any kind of presentation is they think, I've got a PowerPoint, I've got 30-odd slides, I have to get through all 30 slides, and they rattle through them all, regardless of what your audience thinks. And I think you're better off getting rid of the deck shutting it off, you know, pressing the B key so it just goes blank screen, and then have a conversation with people. And I'm suggesting that to you as an agency that designs presentations. It's just, it, it's useful to a point, but it is a tool to help you have a conversation with people as opposed to the thing that drives it. So also consider that, you know, speak to your presenters, your your sales folks, your marketeers, and think when you are having a conversation with people, remember that it is a conversation. It is not a PowerPoint deck that you're walking them through. And even more so, you know, back to the online environment and stuff, if you have content, sorry, if you have a topic that you don't have slide content for, turn off the slides, and ideally, you know, turn on the webcam so that you can have a conversation with people like that. And then when the webcam is no longer necessary, when you've got maybe slide content for it, turn off the webcams and go back to the slides and show some visuals there that might work. And that also really helps you when you are uh, going back to the idea of chunking your content up into small kind of topics. So, you know, have five or six minutes worth of slide material, and then maybe pause that, stop the screen sharing, go back onto webcam and maybe have a conversation with people like that, or you know, do a poll or quiz or something like that there. And then maybe stop the webcam and you bring the slides back up again. So this idea of, of interacting with the people at the other end of the line is very easy to forget now that we're in this online world where you can't see them um, and think about what is it that's gonna be most valuable and most relevant to them in whatever environment you're in, whether that's kind of early stage, kind of inbound marketing through to you know late stage, best and final pitches, always think about that engagement with people.
1: Ah, oh, that's great. Yeah. And talking about engagement, what poll functionality do you recommend for having a webinar? I've tried a few, but I'm not sure which
0: is the best one. So how do you do when you interact or you want to do a poll or so? Sure, so I, at this point, there are loads of different technologies out there, and partly it will depend on what you have the capability to use. I mean, a lot of these uh, I, um, technology policies are set by IT. So, you know, recommend PowerPoint because everybody has it. If we went and recommended another third party, another kind of tool, it would be uh, really awkward for people to install. And the same is true with uh, the polling systems. So, generally speaking, you know, the basic polling that you have in your online platform already can be. Zoom and uh, Webex and GoToMeeting and Adobe Connect and all of these, they have a simple polling structure in there. It's generally fine. If you're only going to do one or two polls, and I probably wouldn't be too reliant on polls, so one or two is enough, yeah, then, yeah. then they're good enough. There are other options out there that allow you to do things that are a little bit more sophisticated. So you can do um, things with uh, turning technologies is a good one, and Umu—that's that's U-M-U, they're interesting because they give you a little bit more than just your standard, you know, structures. Umu particularly allows you to, c- to generate all sorts of interesting visuals from it. So your standard um, kind of charting functions, but also things like word clouds and, and kind of other elements that just kind of bring content to life a bit more. Rather than giving people limited choices of, you know, five things, it can be typing what you want and it, it will generate um, kind of a visual based on all of the responses from people. When it comes to polling, it's generally a good idea for large audiences, so back to the idea of a webinar. So, you know, a couple hundred people responding to a poll, that works nicely to give you a broad sense of what's going on in, a, in an audience that you can't possibly chat with. But I probably wouldn't try and do a poll if there's only three or four people on the other end of the line, because then it's just a bit awkward. It, it's like, it's again, it's, I'm not having a conversation with you, I'm just going through the motions because I've got the technology. So I think really carefully about whether it's relevant whether you have a conversation with people or use a more structured interaction like a poll
1: yeah oh, that's so great uh tips and insights you share there unfortunately we need to wind this podcast down since we're trying to go for about the half an hour mark here but there is obviously so much more we could chat about and this is a really interesting topic who Every company is thinking about and working with and struggling with and so on. So I know a lot of people who listen to this would like to shake you and bright carbon out. And so where can we sh- send them in order to get more content?
0: Yeah, sure. So if you would like to, thank you so much for the shameless plug there. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can go to the bright carbon website, so brightcarbon.com, and there there's all sorts of stuff that I think hopefully would be useful to content creators. So we have all sorts of completely free resources and tutorials about creating these kind of visual stories that use persuasive messaging. Pretty much every Thursday, we do a 30 minute webinar masterclass on creating the content or crafting the stories or developing the design or thinking about the interactions that are worth looking at as well. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can email info at brightcarbon.com or follow us on the Twitter at brightcarbon as well.
1: Oh, that's great! Definitely recommend to check that out. It's so interesting those topics, and I know everybody, just like me, have you know all these kind of questions: what's best and what's not, and so on. So, thank you so much, Richard, for sharing so generously from your expertise in this area. It was very interesting to talk to you. So, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, and uh, thank you also everybody for listening in. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast this time as well. So thank you and have a great day, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.